This is Better Edge, a Northwestern medicine podcast for physicians. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Wildner, Associate Professor of Neurology at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center and Division Director of Neurology at Regional One Health in Memphis, Tennessee. Today, we are discussing epilepsy surgery with Dr. Stefan Schule, Chief of Epilepsy and Neurophysiology in the Department of Neurology and Professor of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation at Northwestern Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Shule. Thanks for having me. Dr. Shule, we're going to talk about your epilepsy work today. And, well, of course, we're both epileptologists, but you're very involved with the surgical end. And I know most people respond to medication treatment, but when should we start thinking about doing epilepsy surgery? That's, a, that's an excellent question. The, I'm, I choose my field because about two-thirds of patients actually are controlled with medication, and that makes it very rewarding. But there's this one-third of patients who really don't respond to medications, and I think those are the patients who at least should be referred to an epilepsy center and, and be diagnosed appropriately because, believe it or not, many patients actually may have, have the wrong medications for their type of epilepsy, or they may not have epilepsy to begin with. So that's, I think, the starting point. The, the second point, what you're saying, is that, that from the patients we realize have what we call focal epilepsy, so seizures coming from a focus in their brain. Though the ones who should consider surgery at some point, and I would say if you fail two medications and you still have disabling seizures, meaning seizures where you lose awareness uh, or even convulse and you're unable to drive or uh, or it really impacts your life and your safety, and that has been going on for over a year. Those are the patients I start the discussion about epilepsy surgery. Okay, so let's say I'm a neurologist in the community, and I have a patient like you described. They're taking their medications. We've tried two or three. They just don't work. I send them to you. How do you decide which part of the brain to take out? That is, can be challenging, but we fortunately have probably one of the best tests is we can do an MRI, a very, very fine cut MRI to the brain, often with uh, special sequences for our patients with seizures. And in many patients uh, with focal epilepsy, we can actually find a, a small lesion, which makes sense. That's what causes their seizures. The other part we do is we listen to our patients. We listen to their symptoms, to their seizures, and that really tells us a lot about where the seizures likely come from. And then the third thing we do is we do an EEG, so we do brainwave testing, looking for abnormal brainwave activity over the skull. And, and if those three things match, if description of the patient's seizures and the lesion on the MRI and the abnormality on the brainwave testing all kind of point to the same spot, then that's already a good way into the pre-surgical evaluation. Then we obviously have to ask ourselves, is that an area we maybe can remove and don't harm the patient in any way. So we do what we call functional mapping or we, we, we explore the patient's function. Um, and that is often done by sending the patient to a neuropsychologist to make sure that they get memory testing and other testing to see if the area we are trying to take out is highly eloquent, so we shouldn't touch it, or if it's an area we can take out without doing any harm and actually stop the seizures. Okay, well, that's great. And that works most of the time, but there are some patients where that initial workup is just not reassuring or conclusive enough, but you still that patient needs surgery. What do you do then? Yeah, these, that's the more challenging part, and I, I actually... Um, 
that's I recently wrote a textbook about that. It's called a, a practical approach to stereoencephalography, and that describes how we then may use uh, targeted depth electrodes exploring directly the brain to see if we can identify the focus. That is necessary in about a third of patients who end up actually being good surgical candidates, that there is no lesion on MRI and and maybe the EEG from recording through the skull is not that revealing, that we have to kind of go a step further and actually try to pinpoint where the seizures come from by doing these invasive recordings with depth electrodes. But that can be done very safely nowadays. There's unfortunately with modern technology, robotic surgery, uh, we can avoid the blood vessels and target these electrodes directly where we want them to be. And patients tolerate that really well. In the old days, uh, when we did these invasive recordings where we actually put uh, electrodes by doing a burr hole in the brain, that was much less well tolerated. And But nowadays, these patients do really well. They come, come to our monitoring unit within a, a day after the surgery. We record their seizures, and, and that often really lets us pinpoint exactly where the seizures come from. You recently published a study in uh, JAMA Neurology where you came up with kind of a formula when you should use this stereo electroencephalography. Could you tell us about that? Yeah, there was a very nice collaboration actually with a friend of mine from Montreal Neurological Institute and other people in the United States. We kind of validated a score, which really allows us to do individual counseling for each patient when they come. Because as you said, the patient wants to know, so if I do this, what's the chances that we're going to find what you're looking for? And I say, well, we have a five cents score. We can plug in what we already know about you and, and we can come up with a number telling you what in your case is the likelihood that we're going to find a, a really discrete focal onset and be able to pinpoint where the seizures come from. And if these things of five cents score is rather intuitive. It, it takes into account things like, do you have a lesion on MRI? Do you have, does the surface EEG show us that the seizures are very focal? Are your symptoms very focal? Do you describe something which is, feels like very specific coming from one particular area of the brain? Does psychological testing show that you have one discrete dysfunction or area in the brain which doesn't work properly? And if you put all these factors together, you can come up with a score which tells you that if you do the stereo, you have an 80-90% chance that we're going to find a very, very discrete and focal area where you see should start from. Right, because you, you don't want to be putting electrodes in the patient's brain if when all is said and done... You say, well, we can't operate. And that does happen, of course, disappointing for everyone. So it would be nice to tell patients ahead of time, well, we could do this, but low likelihood of success or or high likelihood of success just by looking at information you already have. Is that right? Absolutely right. You don't want to do brain surgery just to tell the patient that you can't do surgery. That's the last you want to do. You want to make sure that you have a really fair shot in pinpointing where the seizures come from. Now, there are some patients where the surgery just isn't going to work for them. Maybe they have epileptic foci in two or three areas of the brain, and so you you can't really be removing all of that, or you just can't find the focus. What about neuromodulation therapies? Is that where they come in? Yeah, that is really the kind of the buzzword right now to neuromodulation, there's been some recent advances in different ways to modulate the brain in a way to stop the seizures, to reduce their burden. These unfortunately and probably will never be curative procedures which really 
completely get rid of the seizures. But we are with modern technology and understanding seizure networks better, we are more and more able to, to target areas of the brain where we can modulate the seizures in the degree that the frequency gets significantly reduced to like less than 20, 30% than what they were before, and that also the severity kind of uh, goes down. And we do three types of uh, stimulation. So we, the classical, maybe least invasive type of stimulation is that we place a, a stimulator for the vagus nerve, which is actually placed in the chest and stimulates a nerve, the vagus nerve in the neck. And that can modulate the brain from outside by periodic stimulation. And that has been shown in many studies that it can be quite successful in reducing seizure burden. But we are even more sophisticated by being able to, when we do these invasive evaluations with stereo EG electrodes or depth electrodes, we may end up, as you said, we may end up exactly knowing where seizures come from, but they come from an area we cannot remove or it's an area or it's two or three areas which we identified um, and for those patients, we have now the ability to put in a smart computer and battery and, and leave these electrodes or put the electrodes right in the seizure onset targets. And then the computer detects when the seizure is about to happen and can desynchronize, or I sometimes say <laughs> defibrillate, like with the heart, can defibrillate the seizures and make sure that they don't evolve and spread and, and cause symptoms. So that's the second way of doing this. And then we also, and it's very exciting, have been able to identify deeper targets in the brain, which when we stimulate them, either again in, peri in a periodic fashion or in response to a seizure, can modulate uh, the, the rest of the brain in a way that they interrupt the network and can reduce the seizure frequency and the seizure severity. Well, it's great to know that patients with uncontrolled seizures have so many options. Well, to wrap up, are you involved in anything new, anything we should look forward to, clinical trials or something new for people with epilepsy at Northwestern? So maybe two things to mention. You know, one is that we are, we are one of the centers who uh, do laser ablation. That is a very attractive um, method to actually remove the seizure onset if it's small enough or shaped enough that we can do that. Combines a, what I call a minimal invasive evaluation like stereo EG, where you, where you do very fine, fine little burr holes with a very non-invasive way of actually removing the the spot which causes the seizures. So patients really literally, after laser ablation, they sit in my office a week or two later, and you can't really tell that they had any brain surgery. There's no scar. There's been a single stitch to kind of close the hole. So these patients look great, and obviously these kind of more minimal invasive procedures are much better tolerated and, and accepted by the patients. And so that's obviously, for many patients now, a, one of the ultimate goals, am I a candidate for one of these modern laser ablations? So that's, I think, we're involved and we do quite a number of them and exploring more and more different types of causes of epilepsy if we can help them with laser ablation. We are obviously also involved in clinical trials. We have a, a adult genetic clinic which identifies the genetic causes for some of the epilepsies. And that opens often the door that we, instead of just randomly picking one medication, we are able to predict or precisely choose a medication which may work for this particular epilepsy because of this particular gene abnormality better than other medications. So that is super exciting. And then we are also involved in clinical trials. There's a raising interest in patients who have uncontrolled seizures to at least have rescue medications which they can take instantaneously and maybe abort a bigger seizure or make sure that they don't go into a cluster of seizures. So we are involved in those clinical trials as well. 
yeah, so there's a lot of excitement going on in the area of epilepsy and a lot of new methods of surgically and also medically treating patients better and, and preventing them from, from getting harmed. Dr. Shuley, I want to thank you for this very informative discussion and for joining me on Better Edge. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to talk to you, and I'm, I'm glad to have a, such a knowledgeable interview partner. Well, thank you. To refer your patient or for more information, head on over to our website at breakthroughsforphysicians.nm.org neuro to get connected with one of our providers. And that wraps up this episode of Better Edge, a Northwestern medicine podcast for physicians. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Wilner. Thank you for listening. Thank you.